Good morning, Golden Corner Church. Good morning to each of you who might be visiting with us. Let me start with a sequence of questions, and I want you to just answer these questions in your mind. Answer them honestly. Do you ever wish that things were different? I mean, perhaps in your own life, you might be facing a problem or problems or a situation, and what you wish is you just wish that things were different. Maybe it's in the context of your marriage or some other relationship. Maybe it's in the context of your finances or your health or on your job. And and you just wish things could be different, but you're not very optimistic about it. You've kind of just settled into believing things are just always going to be this way. Do you have anybody in your world, your circle of friends, your family, and, and you just wish they were different? There's something about the way they live. There's something about what they're facing. And you worry about them. You pray for them. You wish that they were different. But you just don't have a lot of hope that they're ever going to change. Do you ever ever wish that you were different? That there's, you, you wish that there was just something, maybe that you've identified something in your life and you just, you wish it were different, you wish you were different, you wish you could change. Maybe you've tried to change over and over again, yet unsuccessfully. You've come to the conclusion, I guess, that whatever this attitude is, whatever this behavior pattern is, I guess I'll just be enslaved to it for the rest of my, my life. If you're sitting here this morning and you have a desire for things to be different, i got good news for you. Things can be different. Situations, people, even you can be changed. How, you ask? There is a difference maker, and his name is Jesus. He can and he will make a real, lasting difference When no one or nothing else can. And over the next several Sundays, we're going to open up our Bibles and we're going to learn about people who had a personal encounter with Jesus. And as a result, Jesus made a big difference in their lives. And I believe that by the time we finish this series, we're all going to see that Jesus has made a big difference in us. So are you ready to get started? Good deal. I want to start by telling you a story found in the New Testament book of John chapter 2, the first 11 verses. And at the outset of the story, Jesus is in the very early stages of his ministry on this earth. He has started his ministry putting together a team of men that he's going to refer to as his disciples. And this team of men are going to be allowed to spend a lot of personal time with him. He's going to instruct them personally. They're going to get a chance to watch him up close and personal and learn not only from his teaching but from his example. And uh, Jesus was bringing these men around him in the hopes that having the chance to set an example to them, to teach them that they would one day pattern their lives after him. And at this point in time, he had put together four or five guys. Now, they were invited to a wedding celebration. And a wedding in their culture was somewhat different from a wedding in our culture. If you're invited to a wedding and you attend, that's going to take, I don't know, what, hour, 
maybe three hours if you go to the reception, out, out of your schedule that week. Well, a wedding celebration of this culture typically lasted seven days. It was a week-long party. There was music, there was dancing, man, there was feasting, and there was drinking, and apparently from this story, quite a lot of it. And I know what, if you're visiting, you're thinking, I thought these guys were Baptists. Well, we are Baptists. I'm just telling you, stories found in the Bible. That's all I'm doing. So Jesus and his men, they've been invited to this wedding, and guess what? They accepted the invitation, and they went. Now, I don't know about you, it kind of surprises me, and I'm going to tell you why it surprises me. Jesus was here on a, on a mission, a, a mission with eternal ramifications, and I would have to believe, Jimmy, that he had a pretty full schedule. And so saying yes to a wedding meant taking a week out of your life, and I was somewhat surprised by that until it hit me. Wait a minute, people were his mission. This was a chance to rub elbows with people and engage with them and love them. And so I guess it does seem natural that he would go to a wedding. But Jesus' mother was also at the wedding. And there came a point in the celebration, I'm not sure if it's a day in, three days in, five days in, that they ran out of wine. Now, it was the responsibility of the groom, as I have understood it, as I've studied about this, uh, about a marriage celebration. It was the responsibility of the groom to make sure that they had enough wine to get them through seven days. So something has gone wrong. They've run out of wine before the wedding celebration ran out. Now, I don't know if he underestimated how many guests would be there or he underestimated how much they could drink in this period of time. I don't know if he just had a limited amount of money and he bought all he could bought, hoping that it would last throughout the week and it just didn't last. But anyway, he's got a problem. Now, Jesus' mother was there and she goes to Jesus and she said, they're out of wine. Now, why would she do that? She is hoping that Jesus will get involved here and that he might solve their problem. Now, why would she think that he would? She knew her boy. And she knew that there was more to her son than met the eye. That inside of this human body, there dwelt the Son of God, God the Son. She knew his capabilities. He has unlimited power, and if he wanted to, he could solve their problem. So she's making him aware. She is, in essence, saying, Jesus, for the next few moments, I want you to be more than just a guest at the wedding. I want you to step in and do some things that only you could do. I'd like for you to really get involved here. So how does he respond? Uh, in, In Hodge's translation, he said, it ain't my problem. Not my wedding, not my responsibility, not my problem. That's what he said. He was acknowledged, yeah, it's a problem, but it's not my problem. And then he said to her, my time hasn't come. Do you know what he meant by that? Now, as I've already alluded to, with Jesus, there was a human side, but there was also a divine side, a God side. There dwelled in that body deity. And Jesus is saying, the time for me to reveal the, my, my God side on a public scale is just not right. It's just not right for me to do that. I don't know about you, but 
when I read those words, I feel like I'm hearing no. I mean, is that, you think it's kind of fair? I think what I'm hearing is no. Not my problem. Time's not right for me to unveil my God side. So you know what his mother did? She turned to a half a dozen or so servants who were standing there. And she said, from this point on, he, he's going to be in charge. And you do whatever he tells you to do. Now, wait just a minute. Uh, she's acting as though he said yes. I felt like he said no. What's going on here? Was, was, was she kind of pulling the mother trump card on him at this point saying, Hey, dude, I'm your mama. And uh, I know you're God and all that stuff, but I'm your mama, and you're going to do what I want you to do. I don't think so. You say, what was she? I think she's acting on the impression he's about to do something. Why would she be doing that with the answer? I'm going to tell you why. Back up to what I just did. Why did she go to him in the first place? She knew her boy. She not only knew his capabilities, she knew how compassionate he was. And how much he cared for people. So she's operating on an assumption. As much as he cares for people, there's absolutely no way he's not going to get involved. He's going to do something. And so that's why she's saying to these servants, hey, he's going to do something, but he's going to use you in the process. And so whatever he tells you to do, you just do that. Which I think, by the way, is great advice for all of us. Do whatever he tells you to do. Now, that's what you guys are going to do. So Jesus looked at those servants who bought these weren't the disciples. These were probably half a dozen guys that were just working the wedding. And, and, and he, Jesus said, here's what you're going to do. There's six big jars of there, earthen jars. They hold 20 to 30 gallons of water apiece. He said, fill them up. Fill them up with water. Fill them up with water. What did Mary tell them? Do whatever he tells you. So you know what they did? They did it. It had to take a while. I mean, you're looking at 120 to 180 gallons of water. and They filled these jars up. They did what he said. And then Jesus, but it seemed reasonable. Doesn't it seem reasonable? I mean, why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you think to do that? If that's what he wants, that's what I'll do. Seems simple enough. It's within my skill set. So here we go. And then Jesus told those men, dip some of that out and take it to the master of ceremonies. Now, the master of ceremonies was in charge of this whole deal. A part of his job was to make sure that nothing got to the people to drink or eat that he didn't taste and approve first. Now, what are they out of? They're out of wine. What does a wedding party need here? Apparently, they need wine. What, you know, Jesus is stepping in here and he's, he's solving a problem. It's a wine shortage. He's going to meet a need. He's going to provide wine. The master of ceremonies would be expecting that he was going to sample what? Wine. Jesus tells these servants, dip some of that out of those pots and take it to it. He's expecting to sample wine. Now, what do these servants know? What's in the jars? Water. Can you imagine what's going through their mind? They know all this. And Jesus is saying, dip some of that out and take it down to him and let him proof test this and see if he wants to serve it to the people. You know what it was? It was a test of their faith. Uh, They were told to do whatever he says. In this case, it didn't make a whole lot of sense to carry water to a man who's expecting wine. 
You say, well, do you think he would have known the difference? <laughs> Listen, this guy was a banquet master. One of his responsibilities, a part of his skill set was he was an expert on wine, kind of like a wine steward at a high-end restaurant. He knew his stuff. So these guys know what he's expecting. They know what's in the pot. It was, a, it was absolutely a demonstration of their faith in Jesus that they would go ahead and cooperate, and they dipped out water. And I believe this, as they turned to take a step toward that banquet master, the master ceremonies, a miracle took place. That water turned to wine. The water they dipped out, the water, I think, left in the jars, it, it was all turned into wine. They go down and they let this master ceremonies taste it. And, and I, I, in some ways they may have been shocked as he oohed and odd, And, you know, maybe he did the little swirl in the tail. You know, I don't know. You, you know, you guys have seen that. Some of you guys may have done that. I don't know. Uh, my wine experience consists of Boone's Farm, T.J. Swan, and Mad Dog 2020. And no, we didn't do any of that. As a matter of fact, I don't remember much after the first two or three glasses of what we did. I can see him, you know, he tasted it. Well, immediately he calls the groom over. And he said, you old dog, you, I can't believe what you've done. He said, you know, most people start off with the best. And as people have had a few drinks, they move into the wine that's more diluted. And, and he said, you, why, you have saved the best for last. Huh? I mean, this was the really good stuff. I promise you, this groom had done what everybody else had done. He started with the best he had. He had worked his way down to the cheap stuff. I guarantee you, he did what everybody else had done. He's got to be shocked as he hears, say what? He's like, this is absolutely outstanding wine. Jesus had performed a miracle. He did. You think, you say, what's, what's the miracle in this? Men make wine. Jesus made wine. What's the miracle? I believe when men make wine, it, it, it requires some fruit of some sort. Am I right on that? Sugar, I think, is a part of it. Now, I know this. It takes time. It takes a lot of time. All Jesus had was water. He didn't have any time. And he not only made wine, he made better wine than men could make. It was a miracle. The Bible said it was a miraculous sign, which means there was something Jesus was trying to reveal about himself. He wanted something he wanted people to see through what he had done. And it goes on to tell us this is what he wanted people to see. He wanted them to see his glory. You know what that word means? It's God's side. He wanted them to see his glory. And the Bible said there was a select little group of people there who actually saw his glory. Not the whole group. Everybody wasn't aware. Mary, the servants, and the disciples apparently were the only ones who were on to what had taken place. And as these disciples saw his glory, the Bible said they believed in him. Does that mean they didn't believe in him before? No, 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 no. They believed in him or they wouldn't have been there. It means that after they saw his God side, They believed in him more. Now, what do we learn in this simple little story? I guess in particular, what do we learn about Jesus? I want you to get this now. You ready? Jesus is willing to make our problems his problem. And I I want that to sink in real deep. 
into your mind and into your heart. Jesus is willing to make our problems his problem. Jesus said of this wine shortage, yep, it's a problem, just not mine. Next thing you know, he has rolled up his sleeves and he's dove into the situation and he actually solved the problem. He made the groom's problem his problem and he's willing to do the same thing for us. You say, Ronnie, you you talk with confidence. How can we be sure that he's willing to make our problems his problems? I'm going to read you a verse. It's actually found in the New Testament book of 1 Peter chapter 5, verse number 7. should be on that screen behind me. And this is what we are told in the Bible. Give, maybe it's not going to be up there, but you've got an idea of where it's at. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7. And uh, here's what it says. (laughs) Give all your worries and cares to Jesus because he cares for us. You know what that means? It means literally this. Every problem, every situation, every person who causes you any degree of concern or causes you to worry, you ought to give that problem, you ought to give that situation, you ought to give that, that, that person to Jesus and let him take care of it. Why? Why would he do that? Why, why in the world should we do that? Why would he want to do that? Saying, give me all your stuff. Give me all that stuff that is weighing you down, that is bothering you. Give me all those problems. Why would he do that? Well, he's very clear. He cares for us. How much does he love us? Well, we can always look at the cross and we can see that. But I think we can also look at 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7 and understand this. Anybody that would want all of our problems so that he could handle them himself must love us a great degree. Well, I come with good news this morning. The good news is this. Jesus is willing to make all our problems his problems. I've got better news. There's no such thing as a problem too big for him. As I've been preaching, some of you have been thinking to yourself, this has got to be good for some of these people here, but however, my situation, my problems have evolved into absolute impossibilities. So what you're saying is it would take a miracle to solve your problems? I mean, kind of like somebody taking water and instantaneously turning it into a vintage wine? A miracle like that? I don't doubt that some of you are facing real impossibilities, but don't forget this. What is impossible for you is very possible for Jesus. You see, he knows... What you don't know, he has what you don't have, and and he can do what you can't do. Therefore, there's no problem too big for him. The good news is Jesus wants to make all our problems his problems. I'm telling you what, the, the better news is this. There's no such thing as a problem too big for him. And I think the best news is this. There's no such thing as a problem too small for him. Running out of wine at a marriage celebration was a problem. Jesus even admitted that. But it wasn't a big problem. It wasn't a matter of life and death. Nobody was going to be hanged. Nobody was going to be imprisoned for the rest of their natural life. It was just a snag, a little bump in the road. That's all it was. Yet Jesus was still willing to make it his problem. Here's something we've got to leave here knowing about Jesus, and that is whatever concerns you concerns him. Whatever is important to you 
is important to him, no matter how insignificant it may appear to someone else. For that reason, Jesus is willing to make all of our problems his problems, no matter how big or how small. So what do we do in light of this? We should give Jesus our problems. Maybe I ought to say it like this. We should give Jesus all of our problems. We humans have a tendency to sort our problems into two categories. God-sized. We've got the God-sized problems, and we got our-sized. we got our-sized. We may eventually get around to giving God the God-sized problems, but we want to hold on to the our-sized problems and try to handle them ourselves. What should we do? According to 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7, we should give all of our problems to Jesus. How do you do that? I think it takes three very simple steps. You ready? You've got to remember these words. Three words, three steps. You ready? Remember, request, respond. You got it? Remember, request, respond. Okay, here's the test. Don't anybody look at the screen. Tell me those three words again. Well, those words... Boy, you got it, church dismissed. Let's go do something. Step one is we must remember that Jesus is with us. That's what Mary did. When she learned that there was a problem, she immediately thought of Jesus and knew that there's somebody here. There's somebody among us who can solve this problem. You know what? I thought about myself. I'm slow at times to give Jesus my problems. I I like to carry them around. I like to think about them, dwell on them, worry about them. I, I seem to. I seem to like the stress that I feel when I've carried my own problems around. I'm often reluctant to give my problems to him. You know the number one reason it is? It's not that I'm a jerk. It's not that I'm stupid. You know what? Well, I don't know. Maybe it is. Maybe it's a combination of the above. (laughs) This is the reason. I forget. I forget that Jesus is with me. I just lose sight of that. And I just assume I'm on my own. If I'm on my own, I guess I better tackle this issue by myself. I think maybe that's the number one reason we all hold on to our problems too long. You know, the Bible describes God as an ever-present help in a time of trouble. Did did you catch that? Ever-present. Ever-present help in a time of trouble. Jesus is not a fair-weather friend. When times get tough, he doesn't cut and run. He's always there, always capable, always willing to roll up his sleeves and get involved in our problems. We've got to remember that. Second thing is we've got to request. We're going to have to request his help. Now, Jesus is omniscient. That's a big preacher word. That's one we like to throw around a lot of times. You know, Jesus, omniscient. You know what that means? It means he knows everything about everything. He knows everything about everything in the past, everything about everything in the moment, and everything about everything in the future. So here's what it tells me. Jesus already knew that there was these, these guys were out of wine before Mary ever came and told him. He already knew that. Well, my question is, why hadn't he already done something about it? I, I, I don't know. All I know is that Jesus didn't get involved until he was asked. There's something critical to the process of giving our problems to Jesus. There's something critical about the asking. The Bible says, ask and you will receive. It even tells us in another place, sometimes we have not because we ask not. I think there are a couple of things about Jesus I've noticed in this story. First, he shows up where he's invited, even if it's a week-long wedding celebration. And secondly, Jesus will not get involved 
until his help is requested. The third step is R is respond, and that is we must, uh, to give our problems to Jesus, we must respond to him obediently. When Mary realized that Jesus was about to get involved, she turned to those servants and told them, do whatever he tells you to do. Now, why would she do that? She knew a couple of things. She knew this. Jesus will not make any of our problems his until we're willing to put him in charge of the problem. You hear me? You can't say, Jesus, I want you to, take, take, I want you to solve the problem, but I'm still in charge of the problem. It doesn't work that way. She knew that if Jesus is going to make this problem his problem and offer any kind of a solution, somebody's got to put him in charge of the problem. She also knew this, that if Jesus is going to solve this problem, he's probably going to involve people at some point in this process. Guys, I need to make sure that you understand this this morning, that giving Jesus a problem will require you to put him in charge of the problem. If the problem is in the context of your marriage, you've got to put him in charge of your marriage. If the problem is in regard to your money, you've got to put him in charge of your money. Whatever that area is, you've got to give him complete control, absolute authority. Once you've done that, there's a strong likelihood that Jesus is going to involve you to some degree in his plan to solve the problem. In other words, he's going to require you to do something. And my advice to you is this, do whatever he tells you to do. You say, Ronnie, what if it's frightening? Do it anyway. What if it's costly? Do it anyway. What if I don't understand it, Ronnie? What if it makes no sense to me? Do it anyway. Do whatever he tells you to do. Why is this of such critical importance? When we demonstrate our faith in Jesus. Now listen to me. When we demonstrate our faith in Jesus through acts of obedience, just like these servants in the story, Jesus releases his power. Solves the problem. Jesus didn't turn water into wine, didn't perform a miracle, and didn't release his power until the faith of these servants was made known by their acts of obedience. Remember this faith and obedience make the power pop. Jesus, to solve your problems, he's got to release his power. He's got to pop the cork on it and turn it loose. Faith demonstrated with acts of obedience will make the power pop. So you always do whatever he tells you to do. Now, Jesus is willing to make our problems his problems. So what are we going to do? We're going to give him our problems. We're going to remember he's there. We're going to request his help. And we're going to respond in obedience to whatever he tells us to do. If we do this, what's going to happen? Jesus will make a difference. Jesus made a difference in the way this story ended. If he had not made their problem his problem, this story would have ended on a sour, negative note. Instead, it ended on a sweet, positive note. I'm telling you, that is Jesus' specialty. He loves to rewrite stories so they end differently. So they end well. So give your problems, your life, and your future to Jesus. And he's going to begin writing a new ending to your story. But Jesus not only made a difference in a marriage celebration. More importantly, Jesus made a difference in people. 
Only a select group was aware of the miracle Jesus performed. Mary, the servants, and the disciples. This small circle of fortunate people was given a real treat. They saw his glory. They saw his God side. And how did that affect him? They believed him. Their faith in him grew. Based on what Jesus did and what they saw in him, they were different. When we give our problems to Jesus, he'll solve them in such a way that we see his God's side. We'll see his wisdom. We'll see his faithfulness. We'll see his power. Others may not see it. The problem may have been absolutely too small or maybe too personal. And others may not see it, but we will see his glory. We will see his God's side. And seeing him, we will be different. We will be different because we encounter with the difference maker. Let's bow together for prayer. Many of you walked in here shouldering a problem, didn't you? If not problems, plural. You walked in here craving change, desiring change, but not very optimistic that change is on the way. Well, it can be because Jesus is willing to make those problems his problem. I think the next move is yours. What, what is this problem that's weighing you down? What is it that's, that what is the situation you'd love to see changed? I'm going to ask you to do something right now. Give it to him. Before we even leave here today, give it to him. Don't, don't walk out that door with it. Whatever that problem is, I want you right now in the privacy of your heart and mind, just give it to him. with you he's not just there to be an onlooker and to be aware of what you're going through he's an ever present help he wants to help he wants you to let him get involved tell him right now I'm taking my hands off giving this to you and whatever you want me to do whatever role I'm to play I promise you I'll do it but I'm asking you to make this problem yours and to handle it as only you can do. God, show me your glory. Show me your God's side. Help me see you in the way you handle this. Father, here's my prayer as a result of our getting together this day, as a result of people in this church handing their problems off to you, make a difference in these situations. And as you make a difference in these situations, make a difference in us. In the name of Jesus, we pray this together. Amen. Have a great day.